you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> hey, hey, I don't like it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? Winning the SEC, Probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State! Welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, 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 buddy, what's going on? Hey, just cracked open a tall boy, spilled about half that sucker on my computer. <laughs> but, uh, hey, we, you know, it's been a while since we've uh, had a podcast here where we actually had a lot of SEC news to even mm-hmm. kind of go over here uh, hell, we got about half the league to hit on, so I'm pretty fired up. How are you doing? Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people don't know. Me and Mike, we've been talking about, like, what can, what can we talk about? You know, it's like <laughs> it's, we want to get out of this season, but, you know, there's just not a lot of stuff going on, and it just seems like Mike just found a whole bunch of good news today. So, well, not all good news, but news in general for the SEC. So that's what I'm excited. I mean, because obviously when we do have these highlights around the league, that means uh, football's getting a little closer, Mike. Absolutely. And, you know, we're under 50 days here, so the countdown's getting real. And Like, let me ask you, Mike. Yes, what's sir. the number? What's the magic number? Like, we we keep acting like there's not a, an elephant in the room. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> you know, we're we're going down this train track. You know, we're we're gonna assume there's no cattle down here. You know, it's gonna mess anything up. Right. But there's a chance there could be a couple cows there on the track, and it could be a mess. What is the magic number? We're we're within fifty. Do you think are we in it now? Or do you think that we need to get like within a month and and we're you know what I'm saying like how what's what's the number for you? Uh, are you saying for where maybe I'll like flip out and think that you know there may be a real issue here? No, what, like what point do you feel like there's just no turning back? We're having college football. I mean, is this the thing that's going to be like two weeks out? We're saying you know what we're already setting up booths around the country i mean this thing's gonna be this thing's a go or i mean are we in that window now Mm -hmm. uh no for me personally i'd like to see you know we we talked about it on our last show these sec programs are starting to return to the practice field Mm -hmm. and, and getting going here but those those bad boys don't really crank up until i want to say the very first basically like august 1st so okay. I really want to see how that goes. And by all indication, you know, when they got these athletes back on campus, they're doing well. They're monitoring all the situations for the most part. And here in the SEC, Greg Sankey came out and said, hey, we're basically down to zero 
cases of mm-hmm. there have been a few outbreaks here or there, but you know that that was just going to be some trial and error. Now they got a good handle on it. Now the numbers are you know just completely almost not eliminated completely, but close to that. So mm-hmm. I, I want to see him get into camp, see how that goes. And I'd say if we're a week, probably two weeks into camp, and we don't have any kind of major setbacks, then I'm then I think we're full on board. Okay. Okay. I don't know why I used cattle as an analogy there, Mike, but we just went. I, I had steak for dinner, you know, so maybe it's maybe it's on my mind. But did you see where they came out and said that, you know, they're going to honor scholarships if kids do not feel safe participating in football activities? Yeah, so I wanted to start with that before we go okay. around the league. But, yeah, the SEC did come out and say any athlete that is concerned for their safety – and hesitant to play this season, those scholarships will be honored. They will not lose their standing. And there's been no clarification on what that means exactly for eligibility. Like, let's say, I'm just throwing this out there. I'm not suggesting in the, at any point that this player is leaning this way. But can a guy like Jarrett Garantano say, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable for 2020. We all know he's a redshirt senior. Does that mean he gets to 2021 and he can play? Uh, th- that's my understanding of it. So it's not like they're not giving up their college eligibility. They're not. They're basically getting a free season if they d- decide to sit and wait it out till the next year. But uh, I'm not saying no players are going to do this, but I'd be very, very surprised if it's more than – I would say even like 10 players. I think yeah. the vast majority of guys are going to suit up and because, uh, you know, again, we're not virus experts, so I, we <laughs> don't claim to be it or anything like that. But just, right. just my understanding is if if you're an SEC caliber athlete, uh, your, your chances of really being negatively affected by this thing are virtually zero and, and you got the best medical trainers on staff. And if anyone does decide to sit out, I'm not going to call them out. I think that's their right. So I, yeah. I take no issue with that. And I just think this is the the only move the SEC could make. So I'm glad they just went out there and publicly did it. I think this is this is the move you got to make. It, it feels kind of like a waiver, Mike. Like you're signing a waiver. You, you, you feel safe enough to play college football. You don't have to. They're giving these boys an out. And I think it's more of a cover-your-ass type situation. Mm-hmm. Let's, you know, let's don't make anybody go to camp. Let's not make anyone participate in football. They have an out. Now, you know, peer pressure is going to keep these boys in, in check, and a lot of them are going to, like you said, going to go to practice and participate in the season. I fully expect that. But I felt, I felt like this was more of a league – saying, hey, you, you know, don't sue us later because you do not have to play if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Well, I see why you're saying that, but to me, it's a little bit different. You know, the NFL, uh, NBA, Major League Baseball, all those sports, you know, those are professional athletes. I think this is just more about, you know, you've already heard people out there bitching about it. You can't have, yeah. you can't make these kids that may not want to play, you, you know, say, well, if you if you don't play, you're gonna lose your scholarship, lose your standing. I think this is more about just making it very clear that if anyone does not feel comfortable, we will we are not gonna put any pressure on them 
to do mm-hmm. something they're not comfortable doing. So I, I, I see what you're saying. I'm not saying you're wrong, but to mm-hmm. me, it's just about, it's kind of like the, how it looks, you know what I mean? Right. Like all of us want at college football, listen to this show, but there's, you know, there's going to be people out there saying, what, how can they put <laughs> these amateur athletes out there? You know what I mean? So the, yeah. they're just getting in front of that and saying, Hey, if they don't want to play, they don't have to. And, and there'll be no consequences. And right. like I said, I think that's the perfect message you got to get out there right now. Absolutely. Well, I'm not saying I'm right, but I probably am. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a good move. I'm with you. I I see where you're coming from. I just think, I think all around, this was a statement that needed to be put out there and put out there early. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, buddy, we got a lot of news. You want to go around the league here? Hell yeah. Now let's go around the league. My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think, I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. At Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, let's start here in Tuscaloosa where we got quite a bit of news here. You know, it wasn't that long ago we were joking about the Crimson Tide and their recruiting classes, and my God, they were battling out with UTEP for, I think, the 56th ranking nationally, and, you know, we poked fun at that, of course. That's what we do on here. We try to bring some humor to the situation, but we all knew that Alabama was going to turn it up on the recruiting trail, and boy, have they done that here in recent days. I think the one position group, in their recruiting class for anyone that's not been following it. They did mm-hmm. have a five-star offensive lineman committed, but he was the only offensive lineman in the class. They really needed to address that. And since Friday, they've landed five-star Tommy Brockmeyer, the number one offensive tackle in the nation. Mm-hmm. His brother, four-star James Brockmeyer, twin brother, number one center. And then right before we hopped on the show here, four-star offensive lineman Terrence Ferguson, the number two <laughs> offensive guard in the nation. So all of a sudden, Alabama went from, hey, we don't have an offensive line here, to we probably got the best offensive line class, maybe of, I don't want to say all time, but in the current re- recruiting cycle. So it's been it's just been a huge weekend here for the Crimson Tide, but I really want to make this about the uh, Brockmeyer twins because anyone that doesn't know their story, like I was just saying there, Tommy, the five-star, not only is he the number one offensive tackle prospect in the nation, he's a top five prospect overall. James Brockmeyer, his brother, is the center. And then their father, for anyone that doesn't know the story, his name's Blake Brockmeyer, All-American oh. at Texas, first-round pick in the NFL. He's a high school coach. He's their high school coach in the state of mm-hmm. Texas. Their mother went to Texas. They got a brother currently on Texas's team. What's the position group that's that's haunted Texas in recent years? <laughs> offensive line, not having an offensive line. Mm-hmm. And this was suited up for them to play for Texas. Everyone mm-hmm. had them penciled in for Texas, but Nick Saban comes in there 
and beats the Longhorns for the two in-state <laughs> legacy. And hell, their grandfather played at Texas. I mean, <laughs> though. And listen to this. This is even more adding insult to injury. Guess who Alabama has a home and home with in 2022 and 2023, Shane? Hook them, Longhorns. <laughs> yeah. So these damn Brock boys are going to be whipping up on uh, Texas. I think it's going to be year two and year three of the Urban Meyer era down there at Texas. I think this is, uh, you know, no recruiting battle is going to necessarily get a coach fired unless it's a five-star quarterback or something, but – I think I think this is the beginning of the end of old Tom Herman. He's he's done. I hope when they show up in Austin, they're like, "We're back." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was I was afraid, man. I was afraid Alabama was going to jump back up there. We all knew that, knew it was going to happen, especially after uh, Nick Saban finally made an email account. You knew <laughs> there was going to be some good things coming down there, and. And what do they do? They go out and get the best damn offensive line in the country. So uh, you got to feel confident. I mean, that's that's it, man. That's that's what you want. You got to get them trenches. The the they could build around that. I mean, they're they're going to be set with that offensive line. I mean, it's it's ugly, ugly looking, man. Yeah, and that's the one thing about the uh, Alabama dynasty there under Nick Saban. You know, obviously you you immediately think of the defense because he's such a defensive minded coach and he's an outstanding defensive backs coach. And now they've had exciting offenses, and hell, they've always seemed to always have, you know, all SEC, all American caliber running backs. But to me, the one thing that always stands out, it seems like every three years they land, you know, the number one tackle, they start him immediately at left tackle, yeah, and he's just entrenched from day one, and he's basically all American for three years. Then he's you know, a top 10 pick. And they've been doing that, it seems like, for about 12, 15 years now. So mm-hmm. it looks like they got their next one here in Tommy Brockmeyer. So that's something that uh, can't be overlooked here. And now Alabama's got the number one recruiting class in the SEC, number two in the nation. So they're really cleaning up. Uh, obviously a big, big time there for Crimson Tide fans. But that's not all the news because obviously with the Pac-12 going to conference-only scheduling – Alabama USC not going to be playing and according to Matt Zinitz of AL.com we've got Alabama BYU coming mm. so they've replaced that game it's not official yet but I guess that's where it's it's going there were some rumors that it was going to be Notre Dame which would have been kind of cool but it's going to be BYU Alabama most likely so I know the the Utes took care of Tennessee <laughs> thanks to a damn miracle play last year. But <sighs> thoughts on that? Alabama BYU, um, obviously USC Alabama would have been a lot more exciting of a game, I think. So that's let me ask you because I kind of drifted there. I was looking at these these Brock Myers boys, uh-huh. and uh, you know it's kind of like me and my brother. You know, I'm like a five star, and he's like a four star. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> How bad does that suck, you know? You're twins, and you're a four-star. Um, and here's the anyway. story. Apparently, uh, Texas was a slow to offer the four-star. I mean, number one center in the nation. Like, how how stupid can you be if you're Texas? You know what I mean? So that That's crazy. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, they should have. They should have. Texas should have been at, like, every game. Mm-hmm. You know, they shouldn't even have been close. They should have been there and – and I just love the fact, like you mentioned, 2020, was it 2021, 2022? 22, uh, 
Okay, 22. Oh, man, they're going to be in their prime, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is this is going to be perfect. I can't wait to hear it. Uh, uh, Matthew McConaughey may want to set this one out. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Film him another one of those movies, you know, overseas or something. But uh, anyway, what were you saying about BYU? Because I, 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 t- I kind of slipped there. Sorry. Well, it sounds like, uh, you know, obviously it was supposed to be Alabama-USC week one of the season. Yeah. Looks like it's going to be Alabama versus BYU. So that's not official, but that's what's being reported by Matt Zinitz of AL.com. So thoughts on Alabama-BYU season opener. You know, it's not as as exciting as Alabama-USC, but, hell, I don't know, BYU, you know, they're historically a solid program. And we just yeah. we saw them last year against Tennessee. I like it. I, I'm, I'm not opposed to this. Uh, it's, it's better than – you know, Georgia Southern or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So um, I think it'll still be entertaining there for a little bit. And, uh, you know, get used to BYU. It seems like they're going to be kind of a filler. You know, <laughs> they're just – they're left out there, kind of similar boat as uh, Notre Dame. So they're just going to be looking for games here and there. So they're the, the, they're like the ultimate pickup game artist you know so uh, i i think this is good it's not a, it's not that much of a cupcake team but it, it's still a good tune-up game for alabama before they play georgia mm-hmm. all right so that's um that's all i got there with alabama you ready let's jump on down to rocky time balls are back and before long we'll be taking a bite out of everybody we play ass mm, let's just skip this one <laughs> Well, bad news there on Rocky Top. Let's start. Uh, we got a bunch of news here, but we'll start with uh, senior defensive lineman Emmett Gooden dismissed from the team following a recent arrest. And the first news that came out was, you know, this guy's gone immediately. You had to wonder what did he do that was so bad. And then local reports that uh, apparently he hit a woman with uh, like a glass candle holder or something. So mm-hmm. you find out something like that. You obviously understand why someone's got to go immediately. Now, obviously, we won't. We weren't there. We don't know the the incident there. But you know, there's some things I think guys deserve second chance or you know suspended until we find out all the facts. But something like that. I mean, I just don't think there's any room for it. Obviously, and and neither does Jeremy Pruitt. So you see a senior defensive lineman gone off the team immediately, and uh, this is a guy that. You know, it'll be a loss felt for sure. I think it's it's disingenuous to say it wouldn't be, but he missed all last season because he got hurt during the preseason. Yeah. Now, he would have started last year, I believe, had he not gotten injured. He probably would have been their best defensive lineman, but coming off a year where he didn't play, Tennessee had a lot of defensive linemen step up, and I think with him gone, I think they got six, maybe even seven defensive linemen that are seniors on that team and they just signed a bunch of really good defensive linemen. So at the end of the day, not a huge loss, but uh, what was your first reaction there? Tennessee Homer. And we saw Emmett Gooden <laughs> gone from the team. Well, first off, you know, he's, he's somebody I've followed for a long time. I mean, if I, I'm a huge fan of last chance, you, which, you know, uh, you know, so he, he's, he's, you know, he's not been, he's not been an angel his entire life. So uh, he got the opportunity to come over to Tennessee we, we thought, you know, 
I really thought he was going to be an instant impact type player. And, you know, he just, he wasn't able to, like you said, with the injuries and stuff, he just wasn't able to live to, but I thought like this would be his redemption year. Mm -hmm. And I I thought this would be the season that he's, he's actually going to make a name for himself, maybe and potentially be in an NFL draft. But then you get news like this, man. And, you know, behind the scenes, you know, people, people do bad things and, and, but assaulting a woman, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, there's 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 no place in that. So it, it, I'm glad that they did move quick here and uh, and removed him from the team because you can't you can't have that type of uh, player on the on the on the ball squad. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, we got a little bit more bad news here in Knoxville. This is a totally different story here, but starting tight end Austin Pope announced mm-hmm. he had back surgery. So he had a herniated disc, and unfortunately this is not the first time he's injured his back. I'm told this is about a two- to three-month process for him getting back. Hopefully he can come back sooner, but you just never know given his history with uh, fighting that those back issues. So this is a guy that only caught, I believe, four passes last year. So he's not really a threat to catch the ball. He's, he's not that type of tight end. but He's a good blocker, though. He's a hell of a run blocker. I think he's probably the best run blocking tight end in the SEC and you got to think Tennessee with that offensive line with the running backs they got you know they're going to be a run heavy team next year you would think so this is potentially a big blow all the tight ends behind Austin Pope who started 11 games last year I don't think any of those guys have started a single game so Mm -hmm. uh, now you got some talent there but you know you're going from I believe a redshirt senior to potentially some redshirt freshmen starting in his place. So, man, this is another tough blow, and you just you hate to see it for, for a guy, a local kid like this who's been through a lot. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he's one of these guys that just gives his all for the team. So you just really hate to see an injury like this. Yeah, yeah. Though that, that one sucked because unlike the defensive line, that's such a thin position and so many question marks behind Pope. But, you know, the fact that it, it, it's done early – you know, we can at least we're not going to waste all those one reps. You know, we can get Pope healthy and hopefully, like you said, two or three months, you know, we may be in the thick of something and need him uh, when he comes back. So I, I, I wish him a speedy recovery. And, Mike, I hope you got some, some good news. You done threw two <laughs> curveballs at me. What else you got here? <laughs> well, one other bit of bad news here because uh, res- reserve defensive back Brandon Davis announced he has entered the transfer portal and he is leaving the university. Now, there is a silver lining here. Uh, No offense to Brandon Davis, because he never really made much of an impact there at Tennessee. I I believe he was there for two years. I believe this uh, decision, along with Emmett Gooden, you know, getting dismissed here, frees up valuable scholarship spots that Tennessee needed, and they did it for a reason, because old Jeremy Banks still... He's on campus. He's listed. He's back in school at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And all due respect to Jeremy Banks, he ain't there to play school, if you know what no. I'm saying. I mean, he's a hell of a football player. Could play linebacker, could could play running back potentially, but I think his future is that linebacker. So silver lining there, I think this move right here is going to free up Jeremy Banks to make a return to the team. And I think that uh, that's a position of need at Tennessee. I think that's great news. Yeah. And, and, you know, something, I mean, I was just bashing Emmett for, for breaking the law. You know, so, so did Banks. But I will say this. 
I've followed him on social media, and it seems to me like he's doing absolutely everything possible to get back on this team. You know, I, I've I've seen him out there with kid fishing with kids. I've seen him doing volunteer work. The guy is 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 trying his hardest to prove uh, or get a second chance, and and that's what's about, man. I'm glad he's he's getting a second opportunity, and and hopefully he does more with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, and I you know I don't want to. I've I've kind of done this before, and people get mad at me because he's such a revered figure there on Rocky Top. But I mean, this could just could be just another Jawan Jennings situation, you know, where a lot of teams may have just cut Jeremy Banks loose. But you know, sometimes when something's taken away from you, you work hard, you find out if you really want it or not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and maybe you know, I I'm not in Jeremy Banks' head. I don't know, but maybe he didn't fully appreciate the opportunity he had. But you sure as hell got to think he's going to appreciate it now and I don't think anything's been given to him I think he had to earn it and Mm -hmm. based on every step we've seen like you referenced there he has earned it and I think by the time he leaves I mean I heard he was uh, as an emerging leader when he was there as a true freshman so I can only imagine what he's going to be at the end of his career there so I'm pretty fired up uh, for Tennessee and, and just see a guy like Jeremy Banks get another opportunity absolutely all right, well, let's kick it down here. We got we kind of got a little bit of a dual story here, but we'll start in College Station. Gigamagus. Because I thought this was a little interesting nugget here from uh, Texas A&M AD Ross Bjork, who was recently on a Texas A&M podcast here called Studio 12. And, you know, obviously Texas A&M's already lost a home game with the Pac-12 going conference only. They were scheduled to play Colorado. Now, Ross Bjork did say... You know, there's, there's a very good opportunity they fill that game with someone else. He noted during this show that, you know, it's not going to be hard to find opponents because there's going to be a lot of schools with holes in their schedule. So they're not too concerned about that necessarily. But it is interesting that SEC behind closed doors, you know, they're discussing conference-only schedule and, and just all the, you know, things that could arise in the upcoming schedule. And... If they go conference only, Texas A&M is only going to have three home games because they got the Arlington game, obviously, every year with Arkansas. That's scheduled to be a Texas A&M you know, home game. They, they flip it home game, even though it's neutral site every year. So let's jump over to Ross Bjork talking about this game where he's saying, if we go conference only, we're going to get this game in College Station. Mm-hmm. Everything is so hypothetical, but you have to – as Will was saying, with his analogy, with each lane, you've got to think mm-hmm. that through. So if it is conference only, now we're at three home games for Texas A&M. And do we not play in Arlington? Like, you now have to right. balance That's it. Right. You lose Colorado, That's right. right, because of the Pac-12's decision. How do you go through those hypotheticals, yeah. and, and, yeah. and what are you doing with that with the schedule? That's exactly right. So we anticipated there'd be some breakage in the schedule, perhaps, right? And so you... You know, this started really back in April. I started talking to my colleague at at uh, Colorado, uh, the athletic director at Fresno State is a good friend of mine from my days at, at UCLA. He played football at UCLA, Terry Toomey. So we start talking. Hey, what's California thinking? What you know? What's happening out there? So we anticipate some breakage, assuming that we're we're playing, and so you kind of anticipate these things. Colorado gave us the heads up. Uh, so we've got to replace that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fresno, we don't know what's going to happen in the state of California. You hear different things. Right now, they're they're staying the course. So I had a lot of 
scheduling conversations over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> lots of ADs. Uh, there's lots of ADs that are scrambling right now. Um, look, the opponents aren't going to be hard to find. That's not going to be the issue. I mean, Notre Dame's going to be looking for a lot of games. BYU, I think, has already lost uh, at least five, maybe six games. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, some other Big 12 opponents have lost uh, some Pac-12 mm-hmm. uh, matchups. Finding the game piece is not going to be the hard part. Um, so that Arkansas game, we, we, we would need that game on campus. And you guys know my philosophy on that game long term. To me, that game should be on campus anyway. Mm-hmm. But if something were to happen this year, we would do everything we can to move that game to our campus. As our because this year it's our home game. We're mm-hmm. we're designated as the home team. Um, so that that dialogue has already started with with Hunter, um, and you know because things are so fluid, you don't have to make any decisions right now. Right. You put things on the table. You talk about what if scenarios. Um, the what-if scenarios that I've had either written down or in my head or or the rabbit holes that you can go down are are really fascinating. And you just have to think of everything, and that's what we've been trying to do. All right, so I think, you know, this is just good foresight by, uh, you know, Texas A&M and Ross Bjork trying to make sure that if they do go conference only, you know, we got to get an equal number of home games this year because – you know, the, the local college station economy is probably going to need it. And uh, you just don't really want to be at a competitive disadvantage. And, and who knows all the, you know, unusual situations that come up with hitting the road if you don't have to. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And then we've got comments here. Let's kick it over to Arkansas AD Hunter Juracek, who was asked about these comments. And then he's kind of behind it as well, uh, given that uh, – he wants a home game in return. So let's kick it over to Hunter Juracek. Oh, Bjork doesn't give a damn what Jerry Jones wants. <laughs> I don't care how big that TV screen is. I ain't going. Well, first off, the, the news today coming out from A&M about them possibly wanting to move the the game that's typically at Jerry World to College Station. Ross Bjork said that he, he talked to you about it a little bit. I was wondering what that discussion was like. Sure. Well, that's their home game. This year, they've already lost a home game uh, versus Colorado. So, you know, I think Ross has a desire uh, to look at moving that game uh, to College Station. So um, I I listened. Obviously, we have a relationship with the Jones family here. Um, They're very supportive of that game. They own that that venue. So um, his feelings on that may be slightly different than mine. But um, we'll we'll see how the schedule plays out. But if that game is moved to College Station, I think it would only be fair that we get that return game here in Fayetteville next year and then potentially resume in Dallas for the final two years of that contract. I wouldn't want to see Texas A&M get a home game this year and for us not to get that return game next year. All right, so I think this is a move here that a lot of Texas A&M and Arkansas fans will get behind. I mean, there's not many football stadiums nicer than the uh, AT&T Stadium, Jerry World, as they call it, in Arlington, Texas. But it just seems like, you know, these neutral site games have kind of lost their appeal for the most part. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, Texas A&M has obviously dominated that thing. I'm not saying if it was played in Fayetteville more often, Arkansas would win. But I don't know. It just seems like home and home is just a lot more exciting and um so I think this is a move the fans are going to appreciate if they manage to pull it off. And I just think it's going to make for better football and probably make this game a lot better uh, on an annual basis. So what, what's your thoughts on this? 
I agree, man. I totally agree. And and not to mention uh, the, the recruiting aspect with those neutral site games. You're losing a weekend mm-hmm. uh, allowing those boys to come up there and actively recruit them because they're not at your home field. So right. I, I, I like the home and home. I hate neutral site games. I, I, I can't stand Jerry's world. Don't get me wrong. It was great, but we're, we're on to Vegas now. You know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> – it's, it's not that big of a deal anymore to me. It was great at first, but uh, we've moved on. So I, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm impartial to this, but I do like, I, I like, I don't know. Listening to both of them, it sounds like both of them don't really want to go down to Dallas anyway. You know what I'm saying? Poor Arkansas. It, it's hard enough for them to get. They, they bounce around more than any team I've ever seen. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's an issue there. You know, I've said it on this show, and I believe it. Um, you know, I'm not trying to piss off the, the Little Rock fan base there, but you already lose recruiting advantages when you hold your spring game there or you hold an SEC game there, and I just don't really understand why they do that. I mean, several other SEC teams used to do that, but they've all gone away from it except for Arkansas. Now this game, you're losing a potential recruiting game as well, so you're just making it a lot harder on yourself. And when you're behind the eight ball as as it is right now, you just why are you making these disadvantages for yourself, you know? So right. I understand, like Hunter Urichek says, they're in a peculiar spot here because they got such a tight relationship with Jerry Jones and he loves that game. But it's almost like we're bending to the the will of one man over a fan base at this point. <laughs> yeah. And I don't care, you know, how important or big Jerry Jones is. With all due respect to him, he's not bigger than the University of Arkansas. He's not bigger than the fan base and from the feedback I get, the vast majority of fans want this game in Fayetteville, move it away from Arlington, and hopefully uh, they get that chance the next two years. And then after the, like uh, Hunter Yurichek says, they do have two, well, they actually have four more years on this contract. So they're hoping for two home and home and then two neutral site. And hopefully that's the end of it. You know what? Seriously, I mean, I'm sure they got the Waltons on speed dial too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, you know, we're gonna lose some money, but is it okay? You know, we'll we'll send some more stuff to Walmart. You know, so they'll they'll find the money. Arkansas has got plenty of money, so I, I just think I don't know. I think it's a disservice moving, like you said, moving around. You know, you're making it harder on a new coach. You're making it harder on your team in general and the fan base. There's, I mean, now you're talking about having to drive all the way down there to Dallas and watch this damn thing when you could have just went ten minutes down the road and watched it at your home stadium. So um, I, I think I, I think that's what they got to get out of. So what he said they got this year, next year, and two. So they got four more years of this contract with him. That's right. But if they get you know this home and home, they only have two. So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of a win-win for everybody. It allows you know, Jerry Jones and in, in AT&T Stadium, plenty of heads up. And I don't know, I, I think it just, you know, nobody knew all this Dave Corona was coming. So just make the best of it, you know? Yeah. Jerry may like it during this rebuild, you know, but then year three, you know, he may want it back there at the house. <laughs> well, next, let's uh, jump on down to Gainesville where... Man... I hate to pile on old Dan Mullen for his recruiting because I think he's a hell of a coach here, but his recruiting, at least in the summer, is just it always seems horrible here. And, you know, a couple days ago, four-star defensive end from Miami 
uh, Tyreek Sapp. He's the highest rated commit in Florida's class. Been committed since 2018, long time. But he just released, hey, I, you know, he is committed, but he, he just put out, hey, here's my top six schools or t- top five schools. <laughs> and it's Alabama, Miami, Ohio State, Georgia Tech. So how committed is he to Florida when they have the school down the road, Miami is after him? I do not know, but, you know, that's not necessarily noteworthy in itself. But then their second highest rated commit, four-star corner Clinton Burton Jr. here on Friday evening flipped his commitment to Boston College. And that's where I got an issue because, you know, our top two guys here looking at other schools and, you know, all due respect to Boston College, I mean, there's just no excuse for an SEC school losing elite recruit to that school I can't even remember the last time I watched a Boston College game or even knew when there was one that was nationally televised (laughs) you know what I mean and hell you go to Florida you're gonna have 10 games that are nationally televised so I don't know I mean this is not the end of the world this and of course it's got no bearing on the upcoming season but I don't know this is just this is troubling if you're Florida because you may have a special year upcoming here but you know, how many of those are you going to have if, if this is what Dan Mullen's got here recruiting? Oh, I, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm trying to think all the Boston college players I know. It seems like a while back there was like a defensive end or something. You know, they mm-hmm. hopped up. I think he had some health issues. Uh, then there was Doug Flutie, of course. <laughs> Matt Ryan. Matt, oh, was he there? Uh-huh. That, that's oh. the last time I – and that was like 15 years ago. Well, there was also wasn't that uh, the football? I always think about that uh, the program. I think that was filmed there. They had the same color schemes anyway. So, no, <laughs> you, you shouldn't be losing anybody to to Boston College. There, man, it sounds sounds a little like something's going on there. You know, it's like they're tired of sucking. You know, is so he, the Hugh Freeze up there? Went down there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So uh, that's that's disheartening. At least they still got that solid commit from Kamar Wilcox in there. You know, no, no chance he flips. Um, I don't know, man. You know, thing about recruiting, you know me, I hate talking about it in the summertime, you know, because there's so – I mean, Kamar is a prime example. Uh, the kid's decommitted from Florida – decommitted from Tennessee Mm -hmm. and and you know we're hoping there's a lot of Gator fans down there got their fingers crossed that he sticks with them so I I don't I don't want to uh, I don't want to freak out just yet even the Boston College kid I mean we're that's way too early if a lot of people are thinking Florida is going to make a run this year and if they do they're going to pick up just they're going to pick up momentum just by being that good. You know what I'm saying? People talking about them. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, that's going to help Dan recruit some of these guys back. So I don't want to, I don't want to get too wrapped up in it, but it is, it, it does feel like it's a trend. You know, Dan sucks at recruiting in the summer at least. Yeah. And it's just, you know, like I said, it, this got no effect on the upcoming year and, He's he's had a hell of a run there already. So and mm-hmm. I I've been singing their praises all off season. So it's not like I'm sitting here trying to bash them, but it just it seems like all many of these elite players that they're signing. Well, I shouldn't say many, but just I mean several are are either not enrolling or leaving after a year. And of course, mm-hmm. you know we had the Chris Steele incident. You can't blame that all on Florida and Dan Mullen, but once you got it time and time again and. 
I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just very, it's troubling to me, particularly right. we just talking about Alabama. Of course they're kicking ass, but Georgia, LSU and recruiting. I mean, these are the teams you got to beat on the field and you're just not going to do it that often if you can't come close to them in recruiting, you know? No, I, I, I totally agree with you. And, and, you know, they've got, they've got some, a couple good recruiters on that staff. Um, what's his name? Uh, the Robinson guy, uh, mm-hmm. Christian oh, Robinson. Yeah. Christian Robinson. You know, he's, he's an ace recruiter, you know, it just, I felt like Dan was going to do a little bit more about, you know, getting some more support staff that, that can go out there and recruit, you know, cause mm-hmm. it seems like Dan, I don't know. Yeah. The uh, tight end coach Brewster this off. Yeah. He's, he's I thought, a hell you of a know, recruiter. so that's what they got to keep doing, man. They got to keep their foot down on the gas you know, they're going to have to have a great season. And once they do, once they beat a team like Georgia or something like that, dude, they're back. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If, if people are, are taking notice and they want to be part of something great, they want to be part of a team that is competing for SEC championships and competing for a national champ. You know, Florida's been uh, in an SEC championship not that long ago, but they weren't competitive. You know what I'm saying? It's been a while since they got back up there, and they're close, buddy. They're close. And if they could do that this year, I, th- I think that's going to help with recruiting. Plus, if Dan can get a couple more of these guys uh, on his staff, you know, they could they could potentially be dangerous and create something, you know, something dangerous down there. Mm-hmm. All right, last team to jump to here. Let's go on down to Baton Rouge. It's my honor to present the national championship trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers. Coach O was a recent guest on the Dan Patrick Show, and he had a good time here on the show. I mean, he was asking some some really poignant questions here, and Coach O giving up some some great answers here. So uh, let's kick it over to Coach O talking about Joe Burrow. Uh, talking about Miles Brennan, the advice he's given him this offseason on uh, Coach O's going by his real name these days. And mm. then uh, I, I really thought this was pretty cool on the key to recruiting here. And he even talks a little bit about The Rock. When did you know you had something special with Joe? You know, uh, I do believe it was the third and 17 against Texas. Uh, it was a blitz. We had to make a play. Uh, he died. He died as a rusher, made a big play. We scored a touchdown. I felt that we had a winner in Joe um, that could make the big play in the big game. But I, and it comes down to a single play that you're talking about that you saw something that was special. That's interesting. Yeah. You know, you got to make the plays on the field. And I always believe that he can do it. He's a very smart football player. The first time I met him, we had a, about a two hour football meeting. There were six people in the meeting, including me. And he was the smartest person in the room. <laughs> and I liked it. Uh, it, it's kind of hard to go out and get another Joe Burrow. So what's what's the challenge? Well, you know, how that how's that process been? And the fact that you can't have these workouts, you know, in person. You know, we have a, a young quarterback in Miles Brennan who's waiting, waiting his turn here. He's very talented. His, it's his time. All I've told Miles is I want you to be the best Miles Brennan possible. Now, we're not going to compare him to Joe, but if he is as good as Joe, I promise you, don't be disappointed. (laughs) We're talking to Ed Orgeron, the LSU head football coach. Actually, we had um, a question about this. I I thought when you were at USC, your your name was pronounced differently, like the R was a little more involved, and then you get to LSU, and it feels like they dropped the first R here. So could you be on the record here with me, Ed? 
Ogeron. Ogeron. Oh, oh you're, throwing, you're, you're throwing a little uh, Louisiana, a little Cajun in there now. Yeah. I'll, hey, I'm back home. I'm not in L.A. <laughs> That's 110% Cajun now. <laughs> but if you were back in L.A., then it, it might be pronounced differently. No question. And I wouldn't mind. What is the key in recruiting? Like, how did you close, guys? And, and you know, all those USC players and certainly what you've done at LSU. I mean, you're competing with the, the elite no. here to get these. So yeah. who are you closing, the parents or the player? The champion, the decision maker. Who is the decision mom. maker? And most of the time, it's mom. You're right. And they have to trust you. And you have to develop a relationship. And it has to be a long-lasting relationship. It can't be a short-term relationship. They have to trust you. If mom is cooking, you have to eat what mom is cooking, correct? I've got no problem with that. Unless it's, <laughs> unless it's, unless it's liver. Girl's mama, I probably ain't liver too. <laughs> Didn't you recruit the rock at the U? You know, Bob Cormellis recruited the rock. Oh, okay. And, yeah, but I did coach the rock. And um, he's, a, he's a friend of mine. Uh, love him to death. His nickname was Dewey. And he was a very good football player. Yeah, I talked to Ray Lewis about that. It's weird that here is The Rock, who's a billionaire, and Ray Lewis was talking about, he just kept calling him Dewey. Like, yeah. he was gonna call, he's not The Rock, he's not Dwayne Johnson, he's just Dewey. But if he didn't get hurt, is The Rock, you know, doing something different? Is he? Could he have been a pro football player? No question. I think he'd have been a pro football player and been a real good one. All right, Shane, so our man, Coach O, Giving us some some solid content here in the summer, but uh, what was your favorite thing here that, that Coach O shared on the Dan Patrick Show? I always love hearing Coach O. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. like, you know, something we were talking about. He's talking about the play. I thought that was cool because that was a moment for us too. You know, when we saw uh, Joe on third and seventeen. You know, uh, somebody who Matthew McConaughey over there high fiving everybody. You know, this is getting the places getting loud. This is a they're going to get the ball back. They're going to win this thing. And when they went down the sideline and for a touchdown, I mean, it just my my jaw just opened. I just couldn't believe not only not only just the play, but the fact that they called it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To have that much faith in a quarterback. Think about if you remember, they were, Kurt Kurt Herbstreit said they should run. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was I mean, like, that's that's know, been the history of LSU. You know, let's let's run it out and let's just play defense. That was the moment. I mean, you knew that they were going to take gambles all the way all the way to the end of the season. So um, that was the, I think that was the only game I won money on too. So I mean, that was a very special <laughs> game, Mike. So. That one stood out. Um, uh, I, I love the the. I love how he's kind of changing his name when he goes to different <laughs> states. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, we know him as Coach O. And uh, I'm trying to think, what else did he go? Miles Brennan. You know, he's pretty confident, Miles. And you know, that's something I talked a lot about in the off season. I, I think that the the drop off between Joe and Miles aren't isn't going to be as extreme as as what most people think. I think I think this offense is still going to be humming next year. So mm-hmm. um, it's just when you have your 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 head ball coach coming out and singing your praises already. I mean, that's a good sign too. Yeah, I think I agree with everything you said about Miles Brennan and just Coach O singing his praises for. Damn near three years now, it seems like. But uh, I think his ultimate success is going to come down to this offensive line because that's one thing about Joe Burrow. I mean, you could 
say just about anything about him, about the way he played last year. It was so amazing, but you know, probably his most special trait was just mm-hmm. his ability to move in the pocket, escape pressure, keep his eyes downfield, and then you know connect when plays break down. I mean, hell, there were so many times when you know it couldn't have been the original design of the play, but he had to scramble out, and then he sees a guy 40, 50 yards down the field and converts it. Can Miles Brennan do that? I don't, I don't know if it's fair to ask him to do that, but if he can't, then it's got to come down to that offensive line, you know, protecting him so that they can make the plays that are drawn up. So I, I got confidence in Miles Brennan to get it done, but I really need to see how that offensive line comes together. It's, it's going to basically be a whole new unit here outside of Austin Deckless. So, uh, yeah, I'm be pretty interested to see how that shakes down, but I still think Miles Brennan is going to have a huge year. Yeah, for sure. All right, Shane, so that's all I got. We got quite a bit of news here. And, uh, you know, last week was supposed to be media days. And we all, you know, unfortunately didn't get it. And uh, loyal listeners of the show last year know, you know, that was like, that was prime time for us. That was a five-week, a five-episode week there where we're breaking yeah. down all the teams. And that was really the kickoff for the season. And, uh, you know, we revealed SEC media predictions and and gave our ballots and and all that and we're kind of wanting to do that too at the same time but we don't know how the season is going to be scheduled out or or anything like that so we're kind of waiting for that and and once we get a little better understanding of that we'll kind of reveal how we think things will officially shake down but um, if anybody's wondering why we haven't really talked much about that we're just kind of waiting for that to kind of play out but you got anything else before we hop off here buddy no, I, I, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying. Um, you know, something I did hear about the conference only is if they did have to get additional teams from the East or West, mm-hmm. did you see where they would probably just pick the next two, you know, because it, it's on a rotation now. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, there's so much speculation out there. That is kind of what has been said out there. So we <laughs> it may not be long before we're breaking down who we got scheduled in 2021 because they're about to come on the schedule. But um, I really think the SEC is – I don't know. I don't think they're really going to be doing that, to be honest with you. I think they're going to try to play the eight conference games, try to play a traditional rival or big Mm -hmm. non-conference game. And uh, I just don't know if there's a a lot of wiggle room at this point to be adding conference games and doing all this because – we just don't even know what we're getting into, so why make it even more complicated than it needs to be, you know? Absolutely, and I'm not trying to prolong the show, but you had the athletic directors coming out and talking about rescheduling with BYU mm-hmm. and, and some of these other teams. It, it feels to me like there's no wiggle room on this schedule, and it's like, hey, if if you're on the if you're on the schedule right now, we're going to play unless you back out, and then if you back out, we'll find a replacement. So <laughs> I I don't I don't know if if we're going to have a conference only. Uh, you you know what I'm saying? It just feels like it feels like hey, we're here, man. We're we're doing this, and we're the most powerful uh, conference in the country, and and it's a privilege to play us. You know, that's the right. kind of vibe I'm picking up. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things I was kind of hinting at there when I was talking about Ross Bjork and him talking about, you know, there's going to be teams available to play. And I maybe I should have been a little bit more clear on that, but, you know, with Pac-12 and Big Ten going conference only, there's a lot of these lower schools, lower division programs that, you know, suddenly don't have their paycheck games. 
So mm-hmm. now you got all these teams, you know, just hoping and praying the SEC picks up that phone call and says, hey, <laughs> can you swing by College Station here? We'll, we'll pay you, you know, half a million dollars or whatever. We'll be there tomorrow. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there's going to be teams to, to fill these spots. So um, I don't think that's going to be much of an issue. But, uh, yeah, it, I mean, there's <laughs> like uh, like old Eli Drinkowitz said, I mean, there's damn hypotheticals all around the block here that right now yeah. at this point, you know what? Yeah. Coach O play in the Walmart parking lot, you know, <laughs> <laughs> out the cow care. pasture. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, Mike, that's all I got, man. This is a, uh, this great show. Got some, uh, we got some news. I don't want to say great news because you, you really hit Tennessee hard today, but uh, you know, I, like I said, the more news we get, the closer we're getting to college football uh, later in the week. We are going to do uh, the reviews, and uh, I noticed we got our first Verizon review. So yeah, if you're in that, oh, here comes a, here comes the late train, baby. <laughs> Woo! One second. Oh man, you know football season's back when the lane train's coming through. <laughs> yeah, a little louder up here in this room. Oh shit, was that my train? Because <laughs> <Just> kidding. <laughs> Could you imagine catching a train? Uh, people do, I think, get up north and stuff, but not, not in East Tennessee. There's no catching trains here. Wouldn't that be wild, though? Like, oh my God, I overslept. I'm not going to catch the train. <laughs> <laughs> guess i better what is that the the morse code the telegraph mm-hmm. better telegraph my boss tell him i'm gonna be like <laughs> <laughs> okay all right um where was it okay yes uh we got our first review from the verizon store mike so uh we we got some folks out there putting in a little extra effort man that that does help out you know if anything the five star range review you take a screenshot you send it to mike he's going to send you a koozie of your choice it's uh it's it's the least we can do for you going out of your way to give us a five star rating because those do help absolutely shane we do appreciate each and every one of those so each and every one of you that goes out there and does that little extra step we really do appreciate it but that's going to do it for this one thanks for joining me as always shane thanks everyone for tuning in we'll catch you on the next one all right see you guys go vols <laughs>